Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, Stockholm Design Week Thought Leaders. We report from Scandinavia's largest design event that has taken place this week, both at the trade show of Stockholm Furniture Fair, as well as the many events and showrooms around town. In this episode, we'll hear from designer and sustainability expert Emma Olbersch, Adam Schuring, CEO of the carbon software company Variable, Jakob Valer, owner of Jordens Arkitekter, and the founders of Interesting Times Gang, Sean Barrett, Head of Innovation, and Alexander Vestlund, Head of Design. We will talk about how to develop low-carbon products, why hemp is the new linen, and what biophilic actually means and why it's important. My name is Konrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and founder of Scandinavian Man, and I'm here with the man on the ground, my colleague Johan Magnusson. Johan, how are you? Yeah, even more exhausted than when we spoke <laughs> a week ago. It's it's getting old this 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 theme of us traveling around the design and fashion week, but that's life, huh? Yeah, it's the same procedure every year. But at least we're back in our hometown recording uh, this little pre-talk from our studio in our headquarters. Uh, but we'll hear from uh, uh, what we call thought leaders in the industry. Really been trying to capture uh, some of the most interesting people around there actually it's all you i haven't been doing anything i've been here working on the next steps of scandinavian mind i had to actually opt out of design week pretty much uh, full stop this week but i'm so happy you've been uh, out and about doing this let's start with talking a little bit about the program and the furniture fair um I see a lot of beautiful things happening in the feeds and in the invites. I also hear talks about a very diminished show. What are your impressions from Stockholm Furniture Fair? Yeah, it's a lot smaller than, or yeah, significantly smaller than um, uh, previous years right. and uh, similar to last year, but then they were a bit more taken by surprise. Mm. Uh, so this time they had... Uh, at least a chance to, to fill out the spaces, uh, the, the empty spaces with uh, other activities, uh, lounge areas and stuff. So it felt more uh, uh, adjusted to, to the current situation. Right. Well, someone told me it's, it's about a half of exhibitors from last year. It's only two of the three halls that are, are uh, containing these uh, exhibitions. What are some of the highlights, just visually, some of the things you've seen that's interesting? Yeah, so why, while uh, the actual fair is a bit smaller than usual, uh, it's way more, it's been way more ins- inspiring. And mm. finally, we've seen uh, a great uh, range of innovation, uh, a, a huge uh, spaces for um, young emerging studios. So when the biggest brands uh, have opted out uh, of uh, being present, and even arranging its own activities just to compete with uh, right. yeah we, like uh, a year ago or so we had the danish brands um, moving out actively moving out uh, jo- joining forces moving out of, of stockholm uh, uh, and uh, instead putting all their efforts into three days of design mm. as like a statement which and is the copenhagen event happens later this spring in may exactly and um, actually june this year i think yeah yeah and uh, now we've seen uh, major players um, uh, deciding not not to show. But then there's room for, yeah, as I mentioned, a lot more innovation, uh, a lot more 
craft and uh, new materials and exciting exhibitions. So, yeah, it, it felt like the best uh, furniture fair, fair by far uh, so far. And it's much thanks to the new organization or now not so new, but uh, they at the opening press breakfast, they they dis- they um, call this like a test bed mm. for design. And I completely agree. Like, uh, the, and of course, the question remains: like, uh, w- will the actual fair be able to survive when it's significantly smaller, and uh, they're obviously not getting uh, m- <laughs> the same amount of incomes from uh, from the major um, exhibitors? But mm. yeah, that's not for us to to. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I guess it's kind of an ongoing observation from us to kind of take the temperature on uh, the health of of these trade shows. But, you know, we have a Nordic perspective. I also hear murmurs about, you know, some brands leaving Stockholm for the upcoming Habitari Pro, which is a new kind of uh, uh, business-to-business trade show happening in Helsinki uh, uh, later this year. Um, obviously, we have 3 days to design, as you mentioned. Um, there's there's something happening, and I, I was shocked to hear about this, um, uh, you know, separate event that was happening at the south of Sweden. At the same time, felt like this. There's some kind of turf war uh, stuff going on. Uh, also read a uh, very interesting kind of almost like an op-ed on LinkedIn by the uh, I would say influential designer Alexander Lervik uh, talking about uh, uh, really calling out the companies that are are actively. Uh, you know, uh, boycotting uh, the show. It's not good for the 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 Swedish industry. We have to come together. Uh, all that sort of things. It's um, so much uh, prestige, and it feels like uh, it's the same procedure all over again with the the fashion industry in Sweden um, not working together, and they haven't been able to work together in many, 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 many years. And right. now we see similar development in design. Yeah, and uh, it's of course. Uh, yeah, really bad development. And uh, while um, uh, Sweden is, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, d- different wills, uh, yeah. then uh, Denmark, they all come together uh, t- towards one uh, one goal, and that is to just uh, keep keep seeing uh, three days of design growing year by year. Right, right. Well, they're a disruptor as well, so it's always easy to be a disruptor and, and feel have a sense of unity around that. I guess it doesn't help that the city of Stockholm, which took ownership of uh, uh, the the Stockholm Design Week and the and the and the Stockholm Furniture Fair. Uh, announced a few months ago that we're going to demolish the entire, uh, you know, fairgrounds. I think it's 2029 or, or or something like. So it's a few years in the in the future. But basically saying we're giving up on this. Um, so there is an issue with uh, this place not being filled up. Uh, I would say uh, there's something around management that that's not quite right, and I probably uh, the city should not run a, a trade show operation to begin with. So we'll see what happens. Maybe they move it out to Shista, which is another uh, uh, fairgrounds in the north of the central city. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll end up in Gothenburg in Svenska Messen, where they <laughs> obviously a very strong trade show city there. Um, or they'll all end up in Copenhagen. All right, so let's get into some of the interviews you've been doing around town and at the fairgrounds, beginning with uh, our friend, I would say, Emma Olbers. Uh, we, I really like Emma. I think she's a, definitely a thought leader in the industry. We've had her on you know, this podcast several times, on stage, various panels. 
Uh, she's kind of become the go-to person for, I wouldn't say sustainability activism, but definitely knowledge sharing. Um, uh, she's uh, often seen uh, at the Fridays for Future demonstrations on her Instagram. So she's definitely, her heart is burning for this issue. What did Emma had to say this year? Yeah, so we met this morning because she's the w- winner of a Polestar Sustainability Award at El Decoration Design Award. So yeah, and uh, c- quite the right choice, quite the the only choice, mm. uh, if you if you may say. And uh, yeah, the day before yesterday, when I w- went to the uh, furniture fair, she also arranged uh, special sustainability tours. And she told me that uh, she had expected like two or three uh, people showing up. We were more than 40 and uh, spent an hour and she highlighted, selected uh, exhibitors based on her own sustainability um, agenda, so to say. Uh, And um, it's about uh, reuse of material, extending the life uh, cycle of a material and uh, recycling and such. So a a few different criteria and uh, the stops that we um, went to... um, represent a different part of the sustainability program. All right, let's hear it. Here's Emma Olberg, Stockholm-based designer. Um, the um, uh, the new Stockholm Furniture Fair or this year's Stockholm Furniture Fair, uh, I actually feel uh, feel it's just like Hanna Nova said uh, at the press breakfast. It's a test bed, and uh, you can really feel. Uh, um, a feeling of rethinking uh, a lot of new stands and a lot of uh, company has actually thought about uh, uh, what will happen with the stands afterwards and they have tried to minimize then they don't do floors anymore uh, so I think that's really positive and they have also thought about low carbon materials in their stands and uh, with my gui- guided tour when I go around I could find a lot of good examples also at the fair you present um, a product for Vestre for which you now have won uh, L Decoration Design Award. What can you say about it? Um, the, the first that comes to mind is uh, uh, that I think the material is uh, very important and uh, a material usually stands for like at least 50% uh, of um, uh, furniture's uh, emissions, total emissions. And uh, this material, the fossil-free steel from SSAB, uh, is really a game-changer. Um, the global emission for steel is like 7 to 8% total of the global emissions. So imagine if that could go down with 80%, 80-90%. I saw a lot of uh, material focus and uh, we've seen a lot of uh, linen and uh, now a lot of hemp, right? Yes. What, what other materials are you curious of? Uh, it is just like you say, um, these hemp and lin- uh, linen and uh, what I would call as a group fast growing grasses, they are all uh, low carbon. Uh, so. Uh, and I, yeah, I think we will see more and more of that. They are both uh, low carbon and fast growing, and they are uh, also combining a lot of carbon when they grow. Do you agree with me when I say that it's the young and emerging designers? Of course, they're paving the way here, while the bigger companies, they're a bit behind, they're a bit slower, but they should be the ones uh, leading the way, right? Because they can um, make a real change. 
Yeah, uh, Western that I work with, they are uh, uh, an older company, maybe, uh, but they were one of the only ones that had set their uh, science-based targets. But a young company like Mass Production, they had uh, done LCAs on all their products, and they have learned a lot about that. So, uh, yeah, I really think that it's the younger companies that leading the way. If we look at 2024, what do you have coming for yourself uh, within sustainability, your big sustainability profile in the industry? Uh, my exhibition that I did uh, and also got the prize for uh, is still going around. Uh, so I'm changing that and so it uh, will fit for new customers and um, on, new, on new venues. Uh, and otherwise I'm doing also new furniture with the we're doing some new parts for the Tellus bench, and then I do new furniture for other companies too. We've actually featured uh, this exhibition in our latest issue of the print magazine, but for those who don't know, what can you say about it? It was a year ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a year ago, and the exhibition is called One Kilo of CO2 Emission, One Kilo of Greenhouse Gases, and it's a material exhibition. So all the materials are shown in one kilo of emissions, what makes uh, all the materials very different in size. So the leather uh, piece is very small, and uh, like the hemp and the rattan is huge. All right, that was Emma Olbers, the Stockholm-based designer and sustainability expert. All right, moving on. You've also interviewed a software company. I love that. Um, and I just love the fact that there are more innovations happening uh, during the week. Uh, what is Variable? Yeah, it's, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a software company and they, they, they are specialized in the, the design industry. And at the fair, they share the same booth as a Norwegian furniture manufacturer or brand com or company uh, Minus. Mm. And they have worked together uh, in, I, I don't know, one project or several projects uh, in order to... Uh, yeah, to, to to look at the range and uh, doing LCAs and um, they're also very knowledgeable when it comes to uh, DPPs because it will also be included in design industry and not only in fashion. So we had quite a great conversation, me and Adam. I love this. And uh, you mentioned a very interesting point. We've been very occupied by the notion of uh, digital product passport from a fashion perspective and I guess it's because um, uh, the European Commission have you know directly targeted uh, textile industry and, and people think of fashion uh, immediately and will impact fashion quite a lot but it's coming to the furniture industry for sure I guess if people in the fashion industry are confused about this it's even more so in the furniture industry so we'll see about that um, all right let's hear it here now Adam Schuring CEO of Variable. We are standing at the exhibition of Minus and Variable, um, and I'm representing Variable, which is a software company that helps designers and manufacturers um, measure the carbon footprint of their products. So, um, what what our platform provides is a is a set of tools to to uh, understand uh, the carbon footprint of a product um, across the entire life cycle. Of the, of the product. We, we call this life cycle thinking, the idea to consider carbon emissions and carbon footprint uh, of, of a product across the entire life cycle. 
to avoid greenwashing and to take ownership and responsibility for all the environmental impact that your your product is uh, has over its over its lifetime. How long have you been running and uh, over these years? How have you seen the conversation changed about what you offer? We've been uh, we launched about two years ago, and uh, and we have seen a, a quite significant shift even in that relatively short time perspective. One of the things that we see is a lot more willingness to share data, a lot more interest from consumers and customers in general to 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 communicate data and be transparent about data. Both when I'm, when I'm talking about business to business, so like data about materials and and manufacturing processes, but also about uh, data towards uh, consumers. This is why we introduced uh, a digital product passport feature in our tool. So you, uh, so brands and designers can very easily share the data, communicate this data to their uh, to their consumers. This is a uh, first version focusing on the product carbon footprint of the products. But we see uh, obviously this is a roadmap for us where we will add more information about. About the product's origin and indicators about the material and so on. We can we stand here in the exhibition and we look at the digital product passport part of it. What's your view on how will we look at digital product passport? Because you're quite early. It's still six years to go before the EU will implement it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the way we think about this is that. Um, we, we like this notion of the coalition of the willing. We, we want to work with the coalition of the willing, those, those companies, those, uh, those actors in every industry who are willing to go ahead of the regulations and, and just do things because they think it makes sense or do things because this is a good way to communicate and, and, and tell stories. So this is what we are focusing on in our exhibition as well, to, to help, uh, help miners uh, tell the story of their value chain with a digital product passport. And we think that probably early on this is going to be the main uh, in most important uh, uh, sort of story for consumer brands is to tell is tell stories uh, with, with data. So we think that that's uh, that's important and and yeah, going ahead of regulations is an opportunity. It's a business opportunity to for those who want to lead the conversation. And of course, as the regulations are getting more precise and more uh, more sort of uh, stringent, then of course they are going to more focus more and more on the details. And perhaps this is going to be considered when like a buyer at a big uh, a big shopping. Uh, a center, for instance, putting things on a shelf, they're going to consider that in the in the purchasing process. So um, I'm talking about business to business, but probably also over time, consumers will be educated and looking for this information. So um, we're very excited about this development. This is the right thing to do. And we are very much uh, welcoming anyone who's, who wants to work with this already now, because we think that this is an opportunity for them. You're also sharing your booth with the Minus, the Norwegian brand. How do you work together? Yeah, so um, they, we started discussing some of the details of uh, the calculations and we helped out uh, some of those uh, questions, uh, clarifying those questions and, and, and to understand uh, exactly, help them understand the life cycle impacts of their of their products. So they are using our platform to, to basically document the, the carbon footprint of their products and to communicate it to, to their customers. Um, and what we see is obviously for us, Minus is a perfect example because they are not only you know talking about a low 
low carbon product, they're talking about uh, negative potential uh, over the product's entire life cycle. So it's, we think it's a, one of the best ways to illustrate it. Uh, we also work with um, Vestre, for instance, is another Norwegian brand. We're also really uh, transparent and, and good in, in taking care of the, the, the environmental impact of their product and communicating it. So we are, we are, we are collaborating with those uh, who are willing to showcase and want to showcase uh, their numbers and they take responsibility and they own, own what, uh, what, they, what they have in their value chain. Uh, lastly, you touched upon it, but um, what are the keys in order for design brands to lower their emissions? And do you think they're good enough in uh, talking about this and uh, doing their part? We think there's a lot of talk uh, and, uh, and it is increasingly more and more action, luckily. So uh, we see that again, like as in the relatively short time frame, this has changed a lot. There's a lot more uh, scrutiny into what's behind the numbers and what, what, what is the exactly you know, uh, happening. So it's more and more difficult to greenwash and just get away with something uh, uh, like a shallow or superficial. So what is required to the first part of your question is go deep into the value chain it's about material choices it's about um, you know production processes uh, it's about cleaning up the entire value chain so looking at it from everything from materials to to the end of life that's why, why we call this life cycle thinking to 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 take care of the whole life cycle the biggest problem is a uh, biggest part of it is usually materials so like that's one of the big focus areas that we think that the industry has to uh, focus on or, or, or work on uh, going forward. So probably another huge opportunity for new companies uh, or innovative companies who are coming up with new materials. So I think that uh, watch out for materials in the coming years. I think there's going to be a big story. All right, that was Adam Shoring, the CEO of Variable. Moving on, we have another kind of uh, household name in the, the Stockholm design scene, Jakob Valer, owner and founder of Jordens Architecture. Uh, I find Jordens Architecture really fascinating. I've been following them for, I guess, you know, 20 years since my days at a residence magazine. Really kind of innovative architects. And I feel like Jakob and his co-founder Jonne has really been skewing towards more sustainable practices the last few years. Jonne has opened up a farm of sorts outside yeah. of, of Stockholm, yeah. developing new technologies and farming and that kind of stuff. Love that. So what what, what is Jakob talking about this year? Uh, we published an interview with uh, Jonny because uh, at the fair, they, uh, the, the firm, uh, Jordan's Architecture, they, uh, they, uh, they've actually moved their office uh, to the fair. So the, the architects uh, at the firm is working from, from the booth ground. Right. Well, that's a way to fill up the halls, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're also uh, having a, an extensive, um, really big exhibition mm. uh, highlighting uh, the good solutions and the good examples uh, ranging all the way from material innovations to how to cut down trees in order for nature to thrive and... Uh, yeah, I wanted to follow up uh, on our uh, really inspiring article uh, published online this week uh, with another conversation with um, Jakob. All right, let's hear it. Here's Jakob Valer, owner and co-founder of Jordens Architecture. Uh, we're at our exhibition called Farming Architects. Uh, and it's our space at Stockholm Furniture Fair uh, and we have actually moved our 
office to the fair instead of doing some uh, exhibition about us we actually invite you to us instead uh, so this is uh, a look behind the scenes so to speak uh, and we have eight architects sitting here working on projects uh, and we're showing all our collaborations with different material suppliers or building system suppliers uh, and we're now sitting in our little pavilion it, it turned out to be almost like a Japanese temple it wasn't supposed to be but it actually feels like it and it's a bit more quiet in here uh, and we wanted to achieve a space where you can hide and get away from all the bus outside and think for a while on the environment or on how to build a house or things like that and we're actually in a hemp house now uh, so this house is built or made the walls are made of uh, hemp and lime uh, which is uh, uh, formed together with uh, wooden frames to build a building system to build houses with um, and we see this as a gesture to see the house soul without any surfaces or extra materials or plastic or anything that we think destroys the house so this is the original before it's really ready so this is an inspirational house and the hemp is uh, growing as a construction material it it is actually growing and hemp is a fantastic material it binds 20 times the amount of co2 to a normal tree and imagine then comparing it with concrete that actually uh, pollutes with CO2. So it's a fantastic material. And we use all of the hemp. We use the, the stem of the hemp, the fibers of the hemp. Others use the, the seed of the hemp to make oils and things like that. Uh, and it's grown in Sweden. It's produced in Sweden. Uh, we actually had a lot of hemp in Sweden a long time ago because all the ropes were made of hemp. And then it fell into some kind of... Uh, people forgot about hemp. Uh, and now it's starting to be a, a viable um, produ production of hemp in Sweden. Why is it important for you to be here? It's uh, a bit odd, I, I have to say, to see you here. But it's super inspiring. But why is it important? Um, we wanted to uh, do an exhibition about... the. Uh, materials of the future uh, this is our uh, way of saying we need to build houses this way we cannot build houses the way the, that they have been built uh, uh, in the past years because we're polluting or destroying our planet so this is some I, I mean we try to inspire people to do think differently about materials and how you can assemble the house and the whole exhibition is a, is a show for um, collaborations because building a house is a lot of collaborations. Technicians, architects, uh, environmentalists. Uh, for example, we have a uh, collaboration with Ekologigruppen that has a part of our exhibition here. And Osprey Farm that is our test bed for our projects. 
So um, this is not just for us, it's an uh, inspirational area for all our architects to come, or visitors, anyone, to come and see what you can do and what you sh- maybe should do. You mentioned some and there are a bunch of super inspiring uh, good examples here. Which one do you want to pinpoint? Uh, we mentioned the hemp and the hemp is actually used in a lot of different building systems. Uh, so, for example, we're sitting in, as I said, this hemp pavilion, but we also have collaborations with CLT walls and hemp isolation, insulation, insulation it's called, I think. Uh, and, for example, also the uh, echo cocoon walls. Have you seen the echo cocoon walls? They are made by with straw. Uh, so the leftovers of seed is the straw. When you harvest the seed, you have the straw left, and the straw is also uh, always left on the ground to rot and go into the ground again. We, we use that <clears throat> instead to make walls of. So different kind of systems. I, won't, I don't want to put anyone at the top, but all the systems are new and innovative. But some are really old. I mean, we do... Uh, log houses, uh, massive log houses, and you've been doing that since people started building houses. So that's what we do now also. You've simply brought uh, nature into the Stockholm Furniture Fair. And we hope so. And it's also a different smell here. When you go into our exhibition, people, I have seen people go to this wall and smell it. Uh, and I've seen at least four people hugging our log trees. You don't hug uh, a concrete pillar, but you can hug a, a, a massive wooden pillar. That was Jakob Valer, owner and co-founder of Jordens Architecter. All right, interesting times, gang. I really like these guys. We've been keeping an eye on them for uh, a few years now. We had them on the show when we hosted the or, or programmed, helped program the, the uh, Stockholm uh, Design and Architecture Talks a couple of years ago. Uh, Sean Barrett, Alexander Westerlund, uh, you know, experimenting with 3D furniture, new technologies, really kind of cutting edge stuff. Uh, what are they cooking up this year? Yeah, they're the great example, the perfect example of the new and emerging uh, designers and studios paving the way for how to make uh, design relevant also like in the years to come mm. when uh, when we need to uh, transform and uh, yeah perform a transition in order for it to become more relevant. And they're constantly pushing their own boundaries and uh, inviting other industry players in a special project called Nordic Innovation, which they will talk about more in our conversation, in order to work together to um, come up with new material solutions and uh, innovations. Good stuff. Here's Sean Barrett and Alexander Westerlund from Interesting Times Gang. Uh, welcome to our stand at Stockholm Design Week or Furniture Fair. Uh, we're interesting times gang. Uh, we're showing off our products, furniture, uh, concepts that are designed with uh, either recycled or renewable biomaterials. Um, we've got a 
a few new products that we're showing today with the oyster shells, uh, sugar kelp. Uh, we've got some others that we've developed using uh, orange peel waste and uh, mycelium fibers. You just uh, won a big award in Germany. Yeah. What can you say about it? Yeah, it's fantastic. I think uh, the kelp chair has exceeded all of our expectations. It was uh, originally designed for two Michelin chefs for their restaurant, uh, Black Milk Gastro Bar, um, and it's taken on a life of its own. It's uh, become uh, synonymous with the future potential of uh, new additive manufacturing, innovative uh, production methods, and uh, recycled materials like fishing nets. And it won the German Design Award. Exactly. And design award, <laughs> now it's yeah. put into production yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, excellence in product design, which uh, coming from Germany is uh, quite a spectacular feat. Um, so, yeah. I think we were the only uh, Swedish yeah, design that, agency. In that category, we were the only ones. And it was, as Sean is saying, to be in Germany and at the same time they had uh, Dieter Rams exhibition and to be like in the mother like land for industrial design and take a prize was quite amazing a really fun experience and as Sean said like at one point like what you create takes a life of its own and you can't really control it anymore and uh, I guess that what happened to that specific kind of design and uh, product you also talk about biophilic uh, concepts yeah. can yeah. you explain well, certainly so uh, biophilic design is uh, based on a theory that uh, human beings have evolved in natural landscapes and environments. There's, for example, lots of research that shows that we see uh, the most different uh, shades of green. Uh, this is imprinted into our DNA. And so biophilic design is sort of a step away from what we've been doing for the last 50 or 100 years where we've sort of tried to maximize the industrial process where everything around us has become rectilinear with these new uh, production methods uh, and technologies we can create things that are more reminiscent of nature more organic and the, the theory of biophilic design is that inherently in people we feel better uh, with these kinds of forms shapes and geometries textures and colors around us so it's a, a step away from, from I guess, clean uh, minimalism and rather curated sort of organic shapes. Yeah, and to fill in what Sean is saying, I think it's like an, an evolution from industrialism. Before industrialism, everyone like created, their, if you needed a stool and you were living in the country, you created a stool. Then industrialism came in and the shapes that you could do in these machines were, were very like linear and rectilinear. And now technology has advanced so much, so it's easier to create these shapes in the 3D software. It's easier to manufacture them with the manufacturing methods we use. So I think we will see like a form of like revival for these shapes and forms because like we saw just a couple of years ago when we started doing these shapes, people came to us and uh, one quite famous like uh, in the media, like saying, but there's a lot of shapes in this room and she didn't really know what to think of her about everything. But now you can see if you look around at the fair, more and more designers are using these manufacturing methods and production uh, like software to get to these kind of results. So we're quite proud of like, in one sense, being in the forefront of this evolution. And you also described uh, before a special product called Nordic Innovation. Yeah. What can you say about it? 
Yeah, uh, Schwanke, take that. Yeah, so uh, they're supporting us to work with uh, two biomass, uh, ocean biomass projects or materials that we're developing. The one is industrially grown uh, sugar kelp. Uh, we're trying to find alternatives to, to forestry. Obviously, uh, often uh, wood and uh, the forestry industry has a biomaterial that is uh, often uh, presented as a solution for most of the challenges. So we're building high-rise buildings inward. We're going to replace the polymers in batteries with lignin, for example. And we believe that there's a, there's a space for, uh, for example, blue materials that come from the ocean uh, and that we can sort of spread out these, uh, these material development projects so that we can use things like invasive oyster shells, which we're working and we've created a few really spectacular uh, designs here. Alexander's designed a lamp, Inferno lamp, using invasive oyster shells from uh, Pacific oysters, which uh, somebody decided to bring to Scandinavia in the late 70s. And they've taken over our coastlines and the ocean ecosystems. Uh, so by trying to convert them into a more higher value material, we can create incentives to clear the coastlines. At, at the moment, it's being done on a, on a municipality level or a communal level. Um, and uh, we need to create sort of an, an economy or an incentive to, to help f provide uh, sort of the, the potential for these materials to, to then uh, sort of be harvested and be used. So by, by showing that they can create tables, uh, lamps, etc. with them, uh, we hopefully can be a catalyst or a lighthouse for these materials in the future. All right, that was the guys from Interesting Times Gang, Sean Barrett and Alexander Westerlund. All right, you want some closing words? How would you summarize this week so far? Yeah, we, I can speak for hours about this, but uh, one uh, key takeaway is that uh, we focus so much about uh, Nordic minimalism and uh, like uh, uh, wooden furniture instead of uh, like, like Stefan Nilsson, our good friend and trend expert, he, he mentioned that because he's, uh, he's uh, visiting trade fairs uh, all across Europe and mm. uh, the rest of Europe is talking colors, colors, colors. Right. And uh, we're talking about wooden furniture uh, in the same style as uh, David Eriksson, the famous designer. He's like the inspiration source for so many brands. Yeah, so they pretty much look all the same. They pretty much uh, work uh, with business as usual. Um, th the bigger brands, uh, I'm, I'm sure that they're develop developing their sustainability work, but it doesn't show. So the bigger brands, they really need to... Um, uh, do even more in order to innovate and um, lower their emissions and also to communicate it in a trustworthy way. Uh, you don't want any greenwashing, but uh, you need the bigger players also to uh, push the agenda forward uh, for the industry in order to yeah progress. Mm. All right, bunch of stuff to come back to, obviously, bunch of ideas for upcoming uh, articles and uh, podcasts. This has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Uh, just to reveal that we have uh, an upcoming live talks series that we're doing together with our friends at Lincoln Co. It's going to be uh, the virtual creativity live series that continues on February 21st here in Stockholm. So do sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter not to miss out on that invite. And of course, uh, we continue with our beauty innovation newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash beauty innovation to get your hands on that 
content. Until next week, goodbye. Bye.